Hi, everybody. Welcome to Framework Leadership, a podcast about principles and ideas you can use today to take your leadership to the next level. We're now exclusively a part of the SEU Podcast Network. I'm Ken Engel, president of Southeastern. And I'm Michael Steiner, your co-host, SEU Chief of Staff. And I'm excited today to welcome our guest to the show, Scott Wilson. Scott currently serves as the global pastor of Oaks Church in South Dallas with his wife, Jenny. He has over 30 years of experience in full-time pastoral ministry and is author, speaker on personal, spiritual, organizational growth and leadership. Scott, great to have you on the show today. Come on, I feel like I've really made it now to be on the show with you guys. Come on, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah you've real. made it here. Hey, I mean I'm it, looking, man. This is cool. Yeah, I'm looking forward to our conversation about ministry and leadership. Uh, you, you've you been working in church ministry now over 30 years, so tell us a little bit about your experience um, and, and your calling and then your experience with the Oaks and how it's changed your life for the sure. better. Yeah, you know what's cool is I got to work with my dad most of my life. You know, when I was 19, he came on to be the pastor here at the church. It was called Oak Cliff Assembly of God at the time and uh, did that for 12 years as a youth pastor with him, associate pastor after that, and then became the pastor in 2001. And so after the last 20 years of doing that, I just made this transition. Now, global pastor doesn't mean like I'm going around the world. It, it, it sounds a lot fancier and bigger. It's basically, you know, bishop and a, a spiritual apostolic father doesn't really work in our movement. And so, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> so global pastor just means I'm working with other pastors, you sure. know, yeah. and uh, it's pretty exciting what's happening now. Chris Rayleigh, who was the head of CMN, you know, with the AG, he mm-hmm. came back uh, after being on staff with us for three years, and then we planted him. Now he's come back to be the lead pastor and it is going amazing. So probably, I mean, all of that stuff, the biggest stuff I learned is just every job I've had has been an interim. Mm-hmm. And I know that's funny. It's like, well, nobody call it an interim, but yeah. there was going to be a time that I changed that I wasn't in that job anymore. And the most important thing was to raise up other leaders right. and to raise up other people and every job I was in. And so it's been a pretty incredible ride being with my dad. My dad passed away a couple of years ago, but he just did a fantastic job uh, raising me, my brother, all of us. Uh, my brother now leads our school. Mm. We have a, a school, kindergarten through 12th grade, two different high schools, uh, 10 different campuses, 5,000 students, free tuition wow. school. And my brother runs that now. So pretty cool stuff that we've gotten to do here. And uh, I love it. And we're not done. We're, we're still going. I'm only 50. I turned 52 in two weeks. Wow. So I ain't that old. There you go. You're young. Lot, lots to go. You know, um, and I'm going to really tell on myself right here for a second, but uh, I grew up AG, as we all know, kind of went to AG school. And when I was in AG youth group, obviously did fine arts. I think a shout out to all my other fine arts heads out there. Uh, and so when we were doing, when I was doing fine arts, the Oaks was always pushing the envelope in every, it didn't matter what category you guys were there. You were at the top, you were pushing the, you're doing stuff that we'd be like, how did they come up with that? <laughs> and, you know, I just saw that as a youth group. And now we see the impact you in your leadership have always had an eye for what is next? What's that What's that next thing to do? How do you cultivate that? How did you kind of figure out that, you know, hey, this is the things we could do? And how did you get that culture all the way down, even into your youth group and your, and your fine arts teams and that back then? 
been. I know you guys don't do it anymore. Well, so you don't have to comment on that, but it's just no, right. Yeah. But but I mean, the the thing is, is I think what you're saying on innovation, I think, has a lot to do with having the respect for the generations that are coming hmm. up and understanding that there's reverse mentoring. Anytime we get to the place that we are, are thinking our generation has it and we know it all and we got it all. That's when I think you're in danger of not right. having the innovation yeah. mm. because you're kind of living on what you know and what's worked for you, which means Jesus even said, hey, look, guys, nobody who's tasted the old wine likes the new. Right. So they don't do new wine skin. So there's no new wine to be poured out. And so the concept there isn't that the old wine's better. The concept is that people who've had the, whatever they got, they think that's it. And so I think the key to us was always saying, hey, listen. My whole heart is not to be successful myself mm. just in and of itself in what I do. But the success of my life is to raise up successors, is to raise up others to do bigger and better and stronger things. And when you let other people innovate and you mm -hmm. encourage them, uh, then, man, you have all kinds of innovation. And uh, I, I think it just uh, lends itself for uh, greater growth. And most of the time we hold up because we go, well, that guy can't do it as good as I do. Well, they can do it. 80% is good. Let them do it. Right. Because wow. they're never, they're never going to get to 100% or surpass you until they can. Right. And so even with Chris coming on, I mean, I'm 50 years old when Chris, when the Lord told me that Chris was going to uh, follow me. I mean, that's kind of young. Yeah. You know, I was thinking 60 would be the time. And when the Lord told me, he didn't tell me, hey, you're transitioning. What the Lord told me is Chris and Kara were the ones to take my place. And when he told me that, I go, well, they're 42 years old and I'm 50. If I wait till I'm 60, <laughs> they'll be 52. That's not a time to start. And the Lord said, that's what dads do, though. Yeah, dads mm -hmm. don't wait until they're ready. So good. They see when their son's ready, and that's when it's time. Yeah. And so I think there's always the thinking of valuing the generation that's coming behind so you, the ones that you can lift up. And I think that lends itself not only to innovation, but uh, to multiplication. Yeah. Let me jump on that real quick. How can a leader set up their calendar to make sure that they're that they're doing that, that they're investing in that next generation? That they're you know, what does that what does that look like on a super practical level? I love that, Michael, that you say, how, how do you get that on a practical level? Well, there, I think there are ways, but the first thing I'd like to say to that is people all the time say, hey, I'm way too busy to do this whole spiritual fathering and spiritual mothering deal. I got a full staff. I got a full-time job. I got my schedule is packed. And what I always say is, look, being a spiritual father isn't a new thing to do. It's a new way of thinking about mm. everything that you do. Right. So it's that. not like I have my staff meeting, then I have my fathering meeting. Mm. It's not like I have my board meeting that, no, I father, I'm a, it's who I am Love in it. everything that I do. But there are ways to schedule. So one of the things I did is I just wrote a new book, and maybe we'll get to that and talk about it, impact. But in the book, I talk about how my heart wants to love everybody, right? but it doesn't naturally think about it. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> so I have to create systems. One of the systems I have is every day I have an add value uh, little thing that comes up on my phone. It has two people that are in my list that I want to add value to that day by a text or a phone call. And so then that's one of the ways that I have those people on my list that I'm a spiritual father to, that I have that type of relationship wow. to. And it just is a cue to me, not only for those people, but to keep in my mindset, my life isn't about me. Right. It's about those who are pouring into. Yeah. You know, uh, another ministry that uh, you founded is Ready, Set, Grow, a ministry to help mm -hmm. churches, you know, break through their growth barriers. And, and I want to ask you, what do you think, what do you think the most important 
tools right now to are are, are out there when you look at contextual um, relevance to to good, strong, successful church planting? What are what are some of those? Yeah, you tools? know. Yeah, what's interesting is that the whole way that Ready Set Grow and what we're doing with that came about is uh, God put in my heart with. Uh, at a conference, the speaker said, hey, I want you to come up and God's going to tell you the place you're going to plant your next church. This is when I was pastoring. This is back when I was like 49 years old, four years ago, and or three years ago. And I, I wrote down the number 50. And the reason why I wrote down 50 is God said, this isn't about the place. It's about how many you're, I want you to do. And I said, well, we've already launched 22 churches, 50. Okay, that sounds good. We can do that. And he said, no, I want you to do 50 a year. I said, that doesn't even make sense. I can't do that. That's a machine, not a family. And I'm into family. You've called me to family. He said, that's because I don't want you to think about the church planting. I want you to think about the fathers and mothers who are going to mm-hmm. raise up and send out those. And if you'll take on 12 large churches a year, and pour into them with the understanding that their churches want to become multiplying churches and they want to become spiritual fathers and mothers, then it will work. And so that's what we set out to do. I think the biggest thing in church planning, I've not set out in my heart to try to compete or try to do what CMN does or what ARC does Mm. or what Stadia does. These guys are killing it in church planning and what's going on. I think the missing thing is, is that all of them have been designed to help people launch, but every one of them are trying to sit and figure out right now i'm on the lead team for cmn we're trying to figure out how do what do you do after the launch how do you stay with them and so we've tried to do that kind of foster care you know kind of make some kind of structure of you can sure. call this guy if you need help or all this no what we need is fathers mm. what we need is mothers who say i'll stick with you in covenant for life wow. and so what we're doing is taking on these these church fathers these large church uh pastors and training them for a year and pouring into them themselves and then they're coming alongside and saying they're 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 sending out from their staff or recruiting others mm-hmm. who don't have a covering three to four uh, to say I'm going to help you not only launch but I'm going to stick with you for life. Yeah. And I think the biggest missing link. I, I think the biggest thing that makes people uh, be able to sustain and grow and even flourish mm-hmm. is to have a spiritual covering and a father and a mother who who is there to to help them. Yeah, and that's that's so so rich. I mean, it is. It's all about relational empowerment mm-hmm. and and the perspective that it's all accomplished by, with, and through people. And you have to come alongside people and provide that kind of encouragement and support and strength and 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 be that spiritual father. So that is. Doesn't that, that make powerful. sense to yeah, you, yeah. Kent? Doesn't oh, that absolutely. make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and I think it's a big thing. You know, it's the culture that we try and teach here on campus with our staff, with our faculty. Uh, you know, it's a big thing we talk about that, you know, we, we say that we're here to help students discover their calling. And the, mm-hmm. the, and the phrase we use with our staff and faculty is, we help students discover their calling by living out ours. And so when we wow. recognize that everybody here on campus is called to be here, called for a time as this, and called to be part of a mission of helping other people, that's where you see everyone from our housekeepers, groundkeepers, faculty, staff, uh, kind of engage in that same thing what you're talking about. It's like if I've got I love that. 20, 30 minutes with a student, I can help call the God in their life, the call the destiny in their yeah. life, if I'm just intentional wow. with those kind of those kind of conversations. You know what happened with me, Michael, on that is um, when I was a young leader, youth pastor, my biggest problem, I think God kind of showed me is that I looked at everybody as machinery to accomplish my vision yeah. instead of mm-hmm. seeing them as the vision itself. Yeah. I always looked at people and I thought at our youth group, you know, we were running probably a hundred 
150, 175, and I'd be all mad and say, like, if you guys would witness more, if you guys <laughs> right. would bring your friends more, we could really be something great, you know? Right. Really what I was saying is if y'all would get your act together, I'd be asked to speak right. at more conferences. <laughs> right. Exactly. And then God dealt with me, yep. and, he, and he told me, man, that's not the vision. The vision is, is to love those young people. And, you know, God gave me a dream in the night that changed everything. I was wow. asleep at night, and in this dream, I was preaching at this outdoor crusade of all these thousands of people outside, and I'm preaching, and it's an elevated platform because it was just a huge crowd. And and as I looked down, there's a wooden podium in front of me, so people could only see me from my waist up and mm. not down, kind of like on the yeah, video yeah, here. Yeah. And then, but when I looked down in the dream, I was standing uh, on that platform, but the, the platform had a hole in it, and my dad was standing in that hole. And I was standing on his shoulders Wow! and his hands were around my ankles like this, his eyes closed, praying for me, tears coming down. And what the Lord said is to everybody else, it looks like you're standing on a platform you built for yourself. But in reality, you're standing on the shoulders of your father. Mm -hmm. And when I woke up, I said, God, besides me telling dad, thanks, what are you showing me? He said, I want you to know that your ministry will be defined not by the platforms you stand on, but by those who stand. Mm. on your shoulders That's that every generation would become bigger, better, and stronger. And so everything in my life shifted from me being successful, quote unquote, in my day to me giving my shoulders to as many sons and daughters as I could mm. to multiply it out in the impact in the future. And, and so that, that was a big shift for me. Yeah. No, that's that's rich. It's it is. It's all about being others oriented in everything you do. Well, that's how you guys are. Yeah, well, we we strive. I mean, that's so important. That is a strong value. There's no doubt about that. I want to ask you during your your journey in ministry. Um, I mean, you've you've learned how to balance your life uh, pretty significantly as a pastor and your life as a father and and a husband. Um, what is what do you think is the the number one thing you've learned about maintaining a strong marriage, maintaining that strong family as you do life and ministry? Yeah, I'm going to tell you a couple of things that come to my mind just when you're asking. The first would be is I finally listened to my wife when she told me for two years, you need counseling so bad. Mm. <laughs> You know, it's funny. She grew up with her family all going to counseling. So to her, it was normal. In my family, if you went to counseling, you didn't have enough Holy Ghost. Something's wrong with you, especially if you're a pastor. I mean, that was an admission of bad, bad problems in your life and probably sin issues. And so Mm -hmm. I go, I ain't going to no counselor. Finally, she just said, let me tell you something. I'm making an appointment for you when we get back because I can't live with you no more. And so then when I said that was 25 years ago. And for 25 years now, I've been going and Jenny's been going to counseling and we go every other week. And what I always say is whether we need it or not, you know, uh, we go for two hours. And for the first hour, Jenny and I go. Now, that hadn't been the whole 25. Most of the years she thought I just needed it, which was true. (laughs) But then it got into a lot of stages of life that changed. Mm. I mean, listen, it's one thing when your kids are babies. It's another thing when they get in school. It's another thing when they graduate. It's another thing now. I got I had my first grandbaby this last week. Come on, man. Uh, It's awesome. Yeah. It's awesome. And so but all of those, the empty net, all that stuff, man, it'd come up on you and surprise you and freak you out Mm -hmm. if you haven't got a process. So I think of it as just a regular ongoing uh, part of my growth plan is to have this counselor. And so we'll go for two hours. The first hour is me and Jenny. The second hour, I stick around and he tells me all the stuff I didn't understand in the first hour. (laughs) (laughs) He goes, Hey, I don't think you got what what we're trying to say here, (laughs) you know, and really... 
I think every caregiver needs a caregiver. Mm-hmm. But I think one of the biggest things is if we're, if we'll get a golf coach to be better at golf. Right. We'll get right. money, financial planners to help us with our money. We'll get coaches and mentors and all kinds of stuff. And yet when we say get a counselor for your marriage, people go like, hey, hey, I got a good marriage. Nothing wrong right. with my marriage. What are you talking about? Let's let's maybe move it to greatness. Let's, right. You can't anticipate what's going to come out. So that's mm-hmm. number one. Number two is I love the book. If some if, if somebody's listening, if you mm-hmm. have if this is something that's hitting you by Andy Stanley called Choosing to Cheat. Mm-hmm. Choose to Cheat is about this balance between ministry and family. And he mm-hmm. says you're going to cheat one or the other. And in the book, he basically says, Jesus said he is going to build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. But then he commands us to take care of our spouse and take care Mm -hmm. of our kids. And so basically what we tend to do is say, I can't, God, you take care of my kids and my wife while I do your work. Wow, and he's yes. and, and and Andy says, if you're going to choose to cheat, you better choose to cheat in, a, in the way Jesus told you to. And wow. that is that instead of praying, God, take care of my family as I do the ministry, which is so tempting to do because it's so important to right. us in our mind for God. We should go home and say, God, I'm going to do what you told me to do. And I'm praying that you'll take care of the issues at the church. It's your church. It's your people. And if we're going to choose to cheat, cheat on the church and let God take care of it. And there's an honoring of understanding that it's his church, not ours anyway. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think those are the two big things. And I remember Ken, I was listening to Andy do that recording, his teaching in yeah. my car with my kids and my wife in there. And I didn't realize what was coming. And they were all going in there. Yeah, dad, yeah, quit, quit cheating us. <laughs> I said, okay, so guys. Funny. It's huge. You know, and, and it's been, going back to the counseling and even with marriage, but also with you know, mental health, especially I feel like in the last two years, we see this massive yep. move where you realize, hey, pastors need help. It, Scott, what what advice would you give to maybe like board members? Yeah, I think I think there's a role to play if you're a, if you're a board member at a church or if you're you know an elder or a deacon, whatever you call yourself, as kind of part of that leadership kind of support system for the pastor. What advice would you give to them on helping their pastors be healthier, have a healthier marriage, and be more sustainable? Right. Well, first of all, I think we shouldn't just say, hey, we're cool if you want to go to counseling. No, I think it should be we've got it budgeted mm. right. and you choose who you can go to and do that. Secondly, I think they need a growth team. Yep. So that means they need more than just a counselor. A counselor is one person on the growth team. They need a consultant, maybe two consultants, mentors. They need to be able to have that relationship more than just, well, we have a budget for them to go to conferences. I know, but it's that leadership yeah. and, and they may change because what I need right now is different than what I need next year. But you need to have budget to be able to have that you need to focus in on that. I think secondly, I think it's very important that a lot of board members don't know what pastors should be paid mm. and what their insurance and their health and benefits and everything. And what they do is they just go, hey, I think that's a pretty good salary for a pastor. Well, what that means is according to what my job is and what I think I do versus what they do. Right. Well, no other industry in the whole world or profession goes, well, I think that's pretty good for a doctor. I mean, a lawyer wouldn't say it doesn't even make sense. Right, right. You don't know. And so that's what I do with a lot of church boards is help them to get a uh, a financial advisor to get somebody who does salary planning mm. for pastors. Uh, we have an auditor who does more nonprofit large church nonprofits in the nation. And so he has what salary ranges are and to help them to know even how, I'm not telling them what they should pay. I'm telling them, here's a range of what somebody, your size of church and the income. And so not only doing the pay, but the compensation, Mm 
the health and stuff going on with the doctor and with uh, somebody who is a, 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 a counselor, yeah. but also about the retirement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I think the number one reason why a lot of guys right now, I don't know if y'all, y'all know this, yeah, yeah. but in our fellowship in the Assembly of God, the one I'm a part of, do you know that the average age of a lead pastor is 61? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. The average age. That means half of them are older than that. Nothing wrong with right. being 61. But when ha- when that's the middle, right? I mean, that's, that's a problem. And a lot of that has to do with people didn't have any money to put into retirement. It isn't mm. even just bad stewardship. They didn't get paid. You know, it's kind of like, right. that's a part of our ministry job is to keep people poor and the ministry is to keep them humble. No, but you got to get that. If you don't, they can't transition. They can't mm. finish well. They can't move like God wants them to. They haven't been financially able to do it. So I, I think those are some big things. And I think sabbatical is a big deal. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, our board made me. Can you believe that? Wow. There's a lot of us that go around griping. Nobody give me time off. Nobody give me a sabbatical. Our board, uh, a consultant told them to do it where every year they would give me a month off on top of my four weeks vacation and wow. that they would pay me and give me extra money to go take a sabbatical. And the first two years, I felt like there's no way I can do it. I can't do that right now. We're building this. We mm. can't do that right now. Da, da, da. The third year they said, you will take it this year mm. and no matter what. Yeah. And I'm so thankful for it. it changed my life when I started doing that. And so I think boards just being mindful of the emotional right. toll. Right. Yeah. Okay. You, now Kent, I know you work out. I can see your arms right there. They're like, big as it you're just a muscle i've already and i've been around you i know you do listen this is what i think board members need to know is i crossfit and i know kit you look like you do michael you look i I don't really but i have a crossfit um activity that i do and and we've been doing that a lot but one of the things i learned is one day i was with the guy who owns the place goes to our church there's like five of us we Mm. call ourselves the uh classic rock hour because uh, that's what we listen to we're all the old guys in there and uh one day we went rucking or, or not rucking we went out and ran and when we came in i thought dude i have done good today i am so with them i'm on pace only when we got done because it was cold it was in the winter time they took jackets off and they had 40 pound weight vests on wow. i had stuck with them but what i didn't know is the weight they were carrying wow. that's what i think sometimes board members and other people look at pastors and they say hey i work as just as hard as them but they don't know the weight right. the spiritual weight yep. that's so being good. carried with everything going on in the church yeah hey you recently published a, a book called impact releasing the power of influence tell us about the book what motivated you to write uh, about yeah. this issue well, I think, don't you think there's a lot of people who think, man, I can't be a leader because I'm not an extrovert yeah. or I can't be a leader. I'm not a natural born kind of leader. That I'm well, what I have found is that leadership, like John Maxwell says, is influence. But what's influence? Influence is made up of two words, respect and relationship. Mm-hmm. In other words, you got to have both. There's like two wings of a plane. So if I have a relationship with Michael, but I don't respect him, then I'll go, dude, we'll be friends, but I want you to be my leader like that. Right. But if I respect you, but I don't feel like you like me or I don't like you like that. Then I'll follow you for a while like a general until I find somebody I like, like Kent. Then I'm going to go hang out with him because I got respect and relationship like that. And so the thing is, is good news is respect can be earned and relationship can be built. Bad news is it doesn't just happen automatically. And so what I did is I took the five practical, Michael, how Mm -hmm. you said, how do you put that in your calendar in a practical way? I took five ways 
that I build respect with people that are high influencers in our church and on our team and in business and in life. Mm. And then the five ways I build respect or build relationship. And I put it in the book to say, here are 10 ways for you Mm. to take your influence to another level. Mm. Now for people who are in a church, that's big for your board, your staff, people in the church, for people who are outside and and they're part of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ in business and in Mm -hmm. politics or in media or in schools and education. That's big too, because the point, the point is, is to have influence with your neighbors, with people, with family. And Mm -hmm. if it's okay with you, do you think it's okay if I just give all your listeners the book for free? Oh, wow. Yeah, that'd be huge. That'd be awesome. Would that be okay? Yeah, absolutely. So I want to just give, just because I love Southeastern, I love, love you it. guys. I mean, you guys are, I told you, I feel very honored. So I, I just already talked to the publisher and I want to give everybody, if you go to scottwilsonleaders.com mm-hmm. and just tell me the address, our publisher will send it to you. Just if you'll cover the shipping, they'll send it to you for free. Mm-hmm. It's oh, a $20 book. Uh, and we'd love to send that to you. And in fact, we have a Ready, Set, Grow University uh, training uh, platform there where every month I put new master classes on there and you'll get 30 days for free. And if you don't like it, just unsubscribe. If you want to keep going, you can. Uh, there's a small cost to that, but the book's free. The 30 days are free. And that's just because I love you guys and everybody listen. I hope you get it. ScottWilsonLeaders.com. ScottWilsonLeaders.com. Wow. What a powerful gift and resource. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. It's huge. Well, we want to close uh, our conversation out, man, a fascinating conversation, and we could talk all day. Uh, you know that. We we have great friendship and, and just love love what God is doing through your life and how you are uh, coming alongside and just equipping so many, so many leaders. Uh, but as we like to do, we always close with a fire round and, and just want to ask a couple of quick questions that uh, yeah. might cover a little bit of everything we've kind of discussed and want you to just answer real quick from your gut. We want to grab just a few practical and applicable pieces of advice from your experiences for our listeners. Okay. So I'll let Michael fire away first. All right. All right. So first question, what is a lesson you have learned about managing conflict? Deal with the dirt. And I dirt is an acrostic for don't ignore relational tension. Mm. (laughs) If you ignore it, it doesn't go away. It just builds up and explodes and spreads. So deal with it, deal with it quickly. And what we did is we started honesty policy where everybody on our board and staff every year says, I will speak the truth in love to the last 10% to the right person, the right time and the right way. And we end every meeting that way Mm. so that the issue is on the table, not in the heart. Yeah, so that's good. great. Second question, what's the most important characteristic for pastors uh, to have? Love. Yeah. And the way I really came along that, Ken, is I was at a conference one time and a guy said, hey, y'all need to write down, what do you want people to say about you when they think about you? And I wrote down, he told us to write down all these things. I wrote down smart, uh, powerful, uh, genius, you know, mm-hmm. wrote down all these words and I got about eight words down and God said to me, interesting, your eight words down and how you want people to describe you, love didn't make it. Wow. And I go, oh my gosh, that's the number one value. I crossed everything out and I said, that's all I want to be that's known it. for is love. Love God, love people. That's the basis of everything. Yeah, it's it, huge. it is. If you had a uh, last question for us, if you had one piece of advice for every single graduating uh, senior for their first year of career, what would it be? Don't get frustrated in the process. Mm-hmm. I think people get frustrated with process when process is part of God's plan to prepare you 
for purpose. Mm. And so if you skip if all of us have a Disney mindset, this new generation, my kids included, is you can be anything you want to mm-hmm. be. Yeah. No, the truth is you can be anything God made you to be right. and mm-hmm. called you to be. Right. And so I think we get frustrated because why isn't it happening fast enough? Why haven't I gotten the job? Why haven't I got the sour? Mm. Be faithful in what he's called you to do. And then he will promote you. Yeah. And it's a, it's a journey. It's definitely a journey. Well, Scott, I want to thank you for joining us today on Framework Leadership. Just so grateful to have your powerful insights and uh, wisdom and knowledge. And I know you've blessed our listeners today. That's for sure. Yeah. And if you want to stay. Thanks, man. It was awesome. Yeah, no, we love having you. Let me, uh, let me, let me sh- tell them where to follow you and get more content, more information. If you want to stay up to date with Scott, you can follow him on Instagram and Twitter at Scott Wilson Seven, and uh, that website. If you're looking for the free book, Scott Wilson Leaders, right? PluralLeaders.com. And uh, if you're watching us on YouTube right now, go ahead and hit that subscribe button, hit that like button, so you can get more free resources, more free leadership content to take your life to the next level. You can also check us out at Kent underscore Ingle on Instagram or. On Twitter at Ken Engel. You can also visit our website, kenengel.com. So thank you so much for listening to Framework Leadership. Hey, take care, Scott.